thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp.
There you go. Hello, people. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Hey, I want to welcome you to today's show. Glad that you're here. I am your sweet and lovable host. Yeah, I am. And um, today is Reformation Day. Yeah, it is. I know so many people are celebrating Halloween. Um, All Hallow's Eve. But, uh, but I have to tell you that uh, today is uh, Reformation Day. Um, I'm going to read you part of this article, which may help you understand what this is if you don't know. So um, this annually occurs on October 31st. Um, and this honors Luther's Martin Luther, who, by the way, wrote that, what we just heard. He wrote the lyrics and the music. Um, so it, it honors his 95 theses, uh, that were, what, theses? Okay. That, that were, uh, posted on the castle church doors in Wittenberg, Germany on October 31st, 1517. By the way, I shall say to all of you German people out there, Ich liebe dich, my friend. Ich liebe dich. If you don't know what that means, it means I love you. Okay, just so you know. My dad, my stepdad was German and he taught me that. Anyway, um, this holiday is largely exclusive to Protestants as a commemoration of the origin of the Protestant Reformation. Luther's 95 theses sparked the Reformation as they were quickly translated and spread across Germany within weeks. My friend, Dr. Ray Pritchard, writes, On Reformation Day, we pause to give thanks to God for Martin Luther and for the recovery of the gospel truth that we are declared righteous in the eyes of God solely on the basis of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us in his bloody death and victorious resurrection. I'm going to stop here just for a minute. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, it's interesting. I was raised, briefly, in a Catholic home. My mom and dad uh, were Catholic. Actually, really, my dad was. And um, I think a nominal Catholic, anyway. Um, and and when my, my, my mom and dad, they, they got me, you know, they dedicated me as a baby. Which I think actually did something, to be honest. Um, but then when I was seven, I had my first confession and communion. I have no idea what I confessed, just so you know, but I did. I must have confessed something. Um, and, and then after that, they got thrown out of the Catholic church because, uh, they got divorced. And so the Catholic church just threw them out on their butts. <laughs> and, and I was an orphan. I was a spiritual orphan after that. I didn't, I didn't go to church after that, um. And, and I knew, all I knew was that there was this big difference between Catholics and Protestants and that the, one of them was orange, the other one was green. I had no idea what else it meant. I had no clue. I didn't even know what the gospel was. I actually thought, true story, I actually thought that the gospel was, I thought Easter really had to do with the Easter bunny coming back to life true story. That's what I actually thought. I didn't know because nobody taught me. I never read the Bible. I had no clue. Um, but anyway, but later when I got older and I was introduced to Jesus and, um, he came into my life and changed me through the, through his word. 
um, I began to understand a little bit about why that, why this is so important. So let me finish with the article. It says here, traditionally observed on October 31st, the same day as Halloween, Reformation Day is a Protestant holiday. Did I already read this? I don't know. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> they just like to repeat themselves. Anyway, it's a Protestant holiday that celebrates the Reformation movement begun by Martin Luther in the 16th century. In numerous, in numerous of the, in numerous of the German states, I don't think that's that good grammar. Whatever. Anyway, it's a public holiday. And likewise, many branches of the government and court system are often closed. In the United States, this holiday is normally moved to uh, the Sunday preceding Halloween on a day recognized as Reformation Sunday, which will be October 25th, which was apparently last week. On October 31st, 1517, an obscure monk named Martin Luther, des desiring to spark theological discussion over the medieval practice of selling indulgences, nailed his 95 theses on the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. Um, by the way, if you know, this is an interesting comment. Um, I remember I had a friend who was Catholic. This is interesting. I'll tell you why this is I think this is interesting. I had a girlfriend who was Catholic. And I was, I was trying to share the gospel with her. And one day I was sitting at her house and I said, do you mind if I just pray for you? And she goes, it's a true story. She said this to me. She said, she goes, well, how much, um, how much, how much will it cost me? Like, and she went to get her purse to give me money. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to pay me to pray for you. Um, so it's, 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 I think that has something to do with the indulgences anyway. So 503 years ago today, uh, this happened. The spark he set off ignited a flame that spread across Europe and became, noticed as the pro became, became known as the Protestant Reformation. By challenging the church's authority and its doctrine, Luther rec reclaimed for Christianity a central doctrine of salvation by justification by faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Is that right? Yeah. Luther took a bold and dangerous step as he nailed a paper to the door of a cathedral in Wittenberg, Germany, on which he had written 95 complaints against the only Christian community of his day, his own church. It went down in history as the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. The protests that were written that day for the public to see began the most dramatic re reform within Christianity. The Protestant Reformation was the proclamation of the justification doctrine that is salvation by grace alone in Galatians 2.21. Um, of course, it doesn't pop up. It should pop up, people. But did it? No, it didn't. Just give me one moment, please. Uh, through faith alone and Christ alone, it was also an objection against degradation <laughs> within the Roman Catholic Church. The century before the Reformation was characterized by public concern with the exploitation of the leaders in the Roman Catholic Church, along with its false doctrines, biblical illiteracy, and superstition. Monks, priests, and bishops, and popes in Rome taught unbiblical dogmas like the sale of indulgences, the treasury of merit, purgatory, and salvation through good works. Okay, Galatians 2.20 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Okay, 
now back to the article. In Martin Luther's own words, I greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the justice of God in Romans 1.17. Because I took it to mean that justice whereby God is just, is just and deals justly in punishing the unjust. My situation was that although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Did I say that word right? Sounded good to me. Yes! I nailed it, man. Therefore, I did not love just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. Yet, I clung to the dear Paul and had a great yearning to know what he meant. Night and day, I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17 Then I grasped grasped <laughs> that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy God justifies us through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through an opening doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning and whereas the justice of God had filled me with hate, now it became to me inexpressibly sweet and greater love. This passage of Paul became to me a gate of heaven. And and then it says here, we're getting to the point, people. Yeah, we are. Uh, it says here, Martin Luther believed that church music was for everyone to sing. The devil, who is the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless trouble, flees before the sound of God's music, almost as much as before the word of God, Luther declared. With that inspiration, he composed the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It is a bold affirmation of our our powerful and loving God. I'm going to try not to cry here. Okay, okay, stop it. Suck it up, Stace. Okay. <laughs> a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. From the writings of Professor Kenneth Osbeck in 101 Hymn Stories, we read that Luther's famous hymn is the most powerful one of the Protestant Reformation. Osbeck writes, It became the battle cry of the people, a great source of strength. This hymn has been translated into practically every known language and is regarded as one of the most Noblest and, and most classic examples of Christian hymnody. This hymn covers the full sweep of the Christian life. In it, we find the answer to conflict, striving, spiritual warfare, and at last, victory. The second verse describes it beautifully. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man, and that man is capitalized, on our side, the man of God's own choosing, dost ask who that might be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Happy Reformation Day, people. Bareface? Yeah, I'm just thinking... I'm over here reading, of course, an English translation yeah, you are. of the 95 Theses of Martin Luther. 
And I can't help but think that certainly Thomas Jefferson was familiar with these 95 theses because it reminds me a bit of the Declaration of Independence. Just like the Declaration of Independence is a, a list of redresses against the you know, the monarchy, the British monarchy, King George III at the time, and, and the things that were happening under that government, the abuses of power and that kind of thing in the states, and they're enumerated and basically saying, you know, that it's, it's self-evident that, you know, all men are created equal, you know, and, and to have these God-given rights, and, you know, among them the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and uh, basically that the the kingdom, you know, the British crown was going against God-given rights of people. And, and, and basically says, we're done. You know, this is, this is, this, this is the divorce letter. You know, the, the American colonies were, from here on out, we're separated. We're not part of the crown. And as Ben Franklin reportedly said, you know, after signing that, all the signers, we must hang together or we will certainly hang separately for that act of treason. Anyway, and in a similar way, you know, um, almost 200 years earlier, Martin Luther had written this, basically this letter of divorce against the Roman Catholic Church for its abuses that, like, wait a minute, this this is what scripture says, and basically you're making this stuff up. <laughs> That's a summary of the 95, and, and, it's, and not just making stuff up, but to abuses, you know, charging people for indulgences and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Like you said, you know, carrying on to today, you know, how much do I pay you to pray for me? And all these things, and some these ridiculous ideas that someone could pay their way out of sin, you well, know, and, or and then the doctrine of purgatory, which isn't even a doctrine. I mean, that's a false teaching. Right. Um, and that's high on the list, even though he addresses it as if it's a thing. But first of all, um, mm -hmm. the, um, uh, well, whatever. Um, oh, come on. You can do a bare face. There, there's yeah, you can so many here. Um, while you're figuring that out, I'm going to say hi to Anthony and Tracy over on YouTube. Okay. And whoever else is there, if you're there. I don't know if you're there unless you say hi. Like, put your name or some fake name or something. And Periscope, thank you all for tuning in. Facebook, whoever's over there. Uh, Twitch, um, I don't know where we're at, but... It's Halloween night, people. <laughs> <laughs> The devil's holiday. Um, but uh, yeah, here we are, like, like kicking against the goads, trying to, trying to, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, um, thesis number 10, he wrote, of course, this is an English translation. The priests act ignorantly and wickedly who, in the case of the dying, reserve canonical penalties for purgatory. Number 11, those tares of changing the canonical pen penalty to the penalty of purgatory were evidently sown while the bishops slept. Matthew 13, 25, in about tares sornum, 
tares sown among the wheat. Hmm. And um, skipping down to thesis number 13. Um, well, there was a, another one. Um, Thank you for anyway. those hearts over on Periscope. Anyway, basically, <laughs> he uh, says, rightly so, that the Roman Catholic Church was wrong to introduce this penalty of purgatory when he says scripturally you know yeah that um yeah as a matter of fact the pope remits to souls in purgatory no penalty which according to canon law they should have paid in this life um I should I should add though um, that Martin Luther had some internal struggles. Yeah. That that like all humans a mixed bag, especially later in life, yeah. his hatred for Jews. Yeah, he had um, he had some things that probably he shouldn't have had. Indeed. So just so you know, we're not celebrating him per se as the man, but but you know what he did and how God used him in the beginning uh, was definitely. Um, he stood up and was bold and went he with could, God. He could have got killed for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mia. Superhero paramedic friend. Yeah, you are. Glad you're there. Uh, okay, well, it's already 20 after. So wow. Yeah. Let's, um, let's. let's thank God. Lord, <clears throat> thank you for, for Reformation Day. Father, thank you for the fact that you, so many years ago, 500-something years ago, um, laid on the heart of Martin Luther to look at the word and to see the truth and that you gave him the boldness and the courage to say, you know what, this is it. Here's 95 reasons that, uh, you're, you know, that we're basically been lied to. Lord, thank you that I have been a recipient of the truth and that everybody here who's watching or who might watch, who doesn't know the truth, but hopefully they'll become a recipient of the truth. Lord, help us never to forget that you are the truth and um, and that we can find it in your word, which is awesome. And so, Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for us being able to remember this history um, and just, you know, to just pass it on tonight, even though it's probably not a real popular thing. Um Lord, it's, it is with you. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I just had to do that. All right. So Good thing. today we have news. Yeah, we do. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's time to put on the little glasses so the girl can read better and not go, eh, Sonny, eh, what is it here that we're trying to read? Okay, anyway. <laughs> anybody else think I'm funny? I mean, just saying. I... <laughs> All right. Well, the first article I want to I wanna um, read is over on prophecynewswatch.com. It's titled, More Christian Facebook Pages Come Under Censorship for Biblical Worldview. Hey, put, put a, like, two if you think that's a big shock. <laughs> All right. It has this big graphic. It says, sorry, this page isn't available. The link you followed may be broken or the page may have been removed. Most Americans, Democrats, and Republicans 
know that social media engages in political censorship, and you would have to be naive not to see that conservative viewpoints are the chief victims. As a documented daily at censortrack.org. By the way, I'm just learning about this website, so if you go check that out, you might learn something like me. I might actually learn something. And I, did, I just, yeah. anyway, although some still try to deny, deny it. <sighs> some of the complaints involve subtle discrimination. By the way, the word subtle, have you ever looked at that word, how it's spelled? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a kind subtle. of, it's, it's, yeah. But none of us actually say subtle. <laughs> we, say, we say subtle. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> some of the some of the complaints involve subtle discrimination, which shows up in someone's newsfeed, for example. But this week, one Christian organization has suffered the Facebook equivalent of capital punishment by having all of their content removed. Try to access the Facebook page for the Restored Hope Network, my friend Ann Polk, and all you will see is this ominous message. This page isn't available. When was this written? Did this just happen, or was this an old article? doesn't have a date okay well this doesn't surprise me though okay the link okay yeah right facebook's axe came down on rhn restored hope restored hope network with no advance notice and no explanation restored hope network their website fortunately still up is the world's leading network of christian ministries serving those with unwanted same-sex attraction they believe that through a combination of psychological insight and spiritual transformation, it is possible to see a reduction in such attractions, and many have testified to experiencing such change. In addition, they hold that any believer in Christ has a right to seek the help of others in living a life that conforms to the moral teachings of Scripture. The, the horror of it all. <laughs> oh. Gosh. Anyway, LGBT activists, however, have dubbed such sexual orientation change efforts, which is, I'm not going to say that, but anyway, as conversion therapy, a term never used by those in the field and are waging war upon it. Facebook is obviously responding to pressure from such activists who claim falsely that there is no evidence such as counseling is effective and abundant evidence that it's harmful, to which I would submit to you my series the marketing of homosexuality to America, <laughs> which we've been talking about, me and some people behind the scenes for a while. There's eight parts. You can go watch it. Ugh, gosh, I did not plan this. I actually didn't even read this article until now, so this is kind of funny to me. Um, a Facebook official in Europe announced in July a policy to bar content promoting so-called conversion therapy. A few days later, the left-wing uh, Media watchdog Media Matters gave its own recommendation of some groups that it thought Facebook should censor, including Re- Restored Hope Network. I got to call Anne and get her back on. They included three examples of RH and Facebook posts, none of which support the idea that allowing people to seek change is a form of hate speech. One features a quote from Dr. Linda somebody. I don't know who formally identified as transgender, who states, regular science shows you're not hardwired born this way. Recent research debunking the theory of a gay gene shows Seeler or Seller or however you say that is right. Uh, Another average... Okay, wait. I just have to say something. Okay. All right. 
I have studied suicide, okay, amongst transgender individuals, the suicide rate of transgender individuals is through the roof. Just like... Disproportionately. And here's here's the interesting thing, okay? The idea that you're born in the wrong body, that God made a mistake, is kind of like the core of that idea, right? Okay. So, let's say a boy who decides he wants to be a girl commits suicide. Are you aware that the way that that boy would commit suicide would be extremely violent? For example, that... And effective. Right. For example, that boy might jump in front of a vehicle and just get hit head on. I've seen that. They will blow their brains out with a gun. Um, they, they will hang themselves. Okay. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it's a boy. And men, when they typically kill themselves, they, they make sure that they do it the right way. Well, the right way, but an effective right? way. Now, if it's a woman who decided that she was really a guy and she wanted to kill herself, she would overdose on, du- on drugs. She would overdose dose on Tylenol or, or whatever, right? It would, it would be some type of drug. It wouldn't be blowing your brains out That's because, because she's a girl. And most girls who commit suicide do it with drugs. They don't do it a violent way. I mean, there are some that do, but, but most don't. They most, most, most overdose or whatever. And, and the reason that's important is because it actually points to the innate reality that God made the brain that you got to match the body that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Another real quick, just, yeah. And other suicides, transgender, not transgender suicides. You look at Suicides, the way males commit suicide, the way females commit suicide, there are, there is a great consistency, you know, differences, but consistency among each gender. Yeah. Okay. Going on here. Um, says here, another advertises a video by Joe Dallas, former, uh, ther- well, he's, he's actually a therapist in California. Uh, he actually worked in the same office my therapist did. Um, a long, a long time ex-gay leader. Why am I gay? Why can't I change? It says that women and men in our congregations are asking that very question. This is clearly directed at the church and censoring it is blatant anti-Christian bigotry. Finally, a promo for the Restored Hope Network conference features Ann Polk, a former lesbian who is the executive director of Restored Hope Network, saying, quote, homosexuality is a relational deficit that needs a relational solution, unquote. <gasps> I know, right? While some may take offense at the word deficit, this was a statement about the origins of same-sex attractions and the solution, and they put that in quotes, for people who voluntarily seek to overcome them. Voluntarily. Yeah. This focus on the this focus on the causes of same-sex attraction is squarely within the realm of mainstream scientific debate. Even the American Psychological Association, Association through criti- though critical of SOCE, um, has said much research has examined the possible genetic, hormonal, developmental, social, and cultural influences on sexual orientation. Many think that nature and nurture play both both play complex roles. 
When grilled about the cancel culture mob at a congressional hearing in July, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg said, I believe strongly in free expression. Giving people a voice is an important part of what our services do. And I'm very worried about some of the forces of liberal illiberalism that I see in this country that are pushing against free expression. If Zuckerberg meant what he said, he should uncancel Restored Hope Network immediately. Okay, so I got to see something here. Just a second here. Just a second, mister. I'm going to look up and see if that page is available. I don't know how old this is, so. Okay, so there's Anne's page. Okay, so Anne's page is up personally. Um... But it does look like it was taken down. All right, that that so makes me angry. It doesn't surprise me. Do you know that also Amazon has removed all of Anne's books, uh, Stephen Black's books, um, any person that has an ex ex gay testimony. If they've written a book, it's been really popular. Amazon won't carry that book, which means you got to ask yourself why. Why is it, why is it that the enemy of Christ is so afraid that a homosexual will actually change? Well, I know we've talked a lot about this, so I'll just say it again. Number one, you were made in the image of God. Male and female, he created them both. You are the image of God, right? And the devil does not like you. He hates you because why? You're the only creation God created in his image, male and female. He created you. The devil don't like that. The devil is diabolical. He hates you. He does. He pretends like he likes you, but he doesn't. He really hates you. And I tell you what, he knows he's gone to hell and he's on his way there. And I think that he's just doing everything that he can to make sure that he can bring as many people with him, right? And it is tragic. And you know what's really even more tragic? And I'm just going to say this because, you know, honestly, I am... <sighs> How do I say this? I am not happy with the biblical illiteracy in the church of God. I'm just not. I am not, especially when I know the the amount of Christian persecution that takes place, people dying for the faith every day. I actually pulled an article. Um, I might get to it later, but there, there is an article um, over on the Christian Post. I'm trying to get this stupid pop-up thing out of my thing here. Titled, North Korea Christians Executed for Owning Bible, Newborn Babies Murdered. I'm not going to read this. But you can go over the Christian Compost website and you can read it yourself. And I do say compost because this website irritates me. And by the way, the Christian Compost is not owned by Christians. It's owned by Moonies, in case you didn't know that. All right. Um, But if Christians opened their Bible up and they read it, And they understood it. You know, if they, if, they, if they just read it, then they would see, this is what God said right here. It's, it's clear, right? It's not like, oh, you read this and go, oh, I, I have no idea 
what this means. Male and female. There's two genders. There's not five million gender. It drives me nuts. LGBTQIAQZ, whatever, blah, blah, etc. Asterisk. I don't want to be called male or female. Call me a symbol. I mean, that stuff has been done, right? I mean, that has been done and that is insane. I remember I spoke at a conference. It was a, a Christian uh, educators conference. And I was asked to come in and speak to the youth about about um, about this issue, about the homosexual issue. And one of the very first things I shared with these teenagers was that there are two genders, male and female. Yeah, there is. Two. <laughs> Period. And I also told them that there is no such thing as sexual orientation. That is a made-up term that the liberal people made up. It's made up. It's, 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 it's so diabolically wrong and, and all that. But yeah, you know, let me ask you something. Why do you think believers are ashamed of male and female? Why do you think Christians are like, well, yeah, sure, gay marriage is a good thing. What? I don't know. I'm only 52. I'm not that old, right? I'm half a century plus two years. I mean, that's not that old, you know, when you look at history. (laughs) I'm just a little girl, you know, in history. But even I could see this. I mean, it's like... And yet it was diabolical because when the American Psychological Association came out and they took the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in 1973, they they ripped homosexuality out of there. They suppressed the research, you know, and now they're saying that Ann Polk, who is one of the sweetest, kindest, most godly women I know, her Restored Hope Network can't be on Facebook because somebody dared to say, oh, I had same-sex attraction. I wanted help. I got it. And now, now I'm not, I'm not going to engage in this deadly behavior. What? People with same-sex attraction are the only people in the world who have to stay that way if they don't want to? Do you know how freaking insane that is? That is so insane. It is insane. And even what's more insane is that the church is like, <gasps> Oh, wait, is American Idol on tonight? And, and meanwhile, children who are being abused at home and sometimes in school are plotting ways to kill themselves because, not because they want to be that way, but because they don't want to be that way. And there's no way for help, right? You know, the, it's They're not like, being told of right. help that's available. And you know, here's the thing, too. The research actually shows, if you actually look at some research, the research actually shows that that like well over 90% of those kids who struggle with same-sex or, you know, attraction, within a year or so, they outgrow it. Without any help, they just outgrow it, right? Um, our culture has saturated... The last 30-some years, they have flooded the airwaves. They had drowned us in the marketing of homosexuality. And they have targeted the, the, the babies because 
the devil is diabolical and he hates babies. You think about this just for a second. Just think. The devil hates babies. Do you remember when Jesus was born and Herod went ahead and decided that he was going to go kill all the babies two and under? Well, that's because Jesus was just around that age. He's about two, you know, and they had to go travel and, and, and all that. And who inspired Herod? The devil. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Kill. You know, the devil doesn't think babies are cute. You know, the devil doesn't go, oh, congrats, here's a cigar. Glad you got it, that little boy, you know. Or, hey, you know, maybe you can put a cute little dress on that girl that was just born. Hell, heck no. You know why? Because a baby is, a, is an image bearer. A baby has the image of God implanted in that baby. And that baby that God fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in his mother's womb, as David said in Psalm 139, that baby could grow up and impact many others for Christ. My own mother wished I was never born. She told me if abortion was legal in 1968 when I was born, she would have had me, she would have killed me, right? But God knew and God had a plan. And I can tell you from my early ages of life, you know, he, the devil tried to do a lot <laughs> to get me out of the picture and praise God he didn't and he never will. And what I will tell you is that it's our job to protect the kids. And the only way that we can do it is if we're godly, because ungodly folk won't do it, right? But if the godly folk are sleeping, then, then the diabolical followers of the devil, they can do whatever they want. So they kill babies in the womb. They legislate to kill them outside the womb, which is absolutely evil. And then they attack them when they're babies, little babies, you know, um, through pornography. I don't, don't even get me started on that one because I will not be nice on that one. I was a victim of pornography. I'm going to tell you that um, pornographic sexual abuse and the stuff that happens to infants and that stuff, and people watch it and tape it and they do this, they, they torture these babies. There is a very special place in hell for these people unless they repent. I'm just saying. You know, there is, and, and what kind of person does that, right? Somebody who can hurt a baby or a child and in, a, in such a deviant sexual way, and then they try to mess with their heads and say, oh, no, you have to be that way. It is not nice. It's evil diabolical. I like the word diabolical because it really is diabolical. It's a, it's a missing word in our vernacular. People don't use it, but it is. And, and people are being deceived constantly by it. Oh, oh, it's love. No, it ain't. Have you read the love chapter? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, it, you know, yeah, anyway. So there is this other article that I pulled that you, you actually pulled up earlier. Um, and this, this is on a blog titled the, the ignorant fisherman blog and Jan Markell linked this. So I know it's okay. This is titled who, who America is truly up against today. Lucifer, the father, the father of fake news and the slander tactic. 
My friends, the exponential demonic movement behind all mediums of information today is absolutely astounding to me. Lawless men are all in for lawlessness and are all wholeheartedly available and open to demonic deception and use John 8:44 and Ephesians 2, 1 to 2. We can especially see and observe the exponential demonic movement in all facets of medium today in light of our nation's 2020 elections and in light of the Biden crime, family scandals, etc. In light of the left's super aggression, fake news, critical theory agenda, coordinated narratives, and unified montages, is that right? Okay. Envy, love of lawlessness, rebellion, and demonic defamation against moral absolutes, hatred of all that is good, demonic cover-up and blackouts, narcissistic aspirations, slanderous attacks against good individuals, destruction of men's characters, subtle euphemistic titles loaded with razor blades, their absolute love of death, their full-blown obsession of absolute power, and their absolute hatred and abhorrence of Almighty God, their eternal creator. They have been revealing to all who their master and father is while playing monkey see, monkey do. Psalm 14, John 8, 44, Romans 1, 18, 32, Galatians 5, 19, 21, and Jude 1, 10. To truly understand our day, we need heavenly eyes and the divine regenerate biblical perspective. By the way, um, I don't know if this actually opens up to these verses, but why don't we look at this? Because, you know, we're Bible news radio, right? So let's look at the Bible. Psalm 14. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. By the way, this is the King James Version. I should flip that to a new American standard. That's the best version in the world. Let's see here. I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and change that because I just like that version better. Um... Okay, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Their deeds are loathsome and corrupt. Not, not one does what is good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if even one is wise. If even one seeks God, all have gone astray. All alike are perverse. Not one does what is good. Not even one. Will these evildoers never learn? They devour my people as they devour bread. They do not call upon the name of the Lord. They have good reason then to fear. God is with the company of the just. They would crush the hopes of the poor, but the poor have the Lord as their refuge. Thank God for that. Oh, and that from Zion might come the salvation of Israel. Jacob would rejoice and Israel be glad when the Lord restores his people. By the way, this lament in Psalm 14 is repeated in Psalm 53. You can check that out. <clears throat> So John eight forty four, I'm waiting for the page to flip. Yeah, I am. Be all on the same page, right? Nope. It's it is not. when I click the link. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh yeah, it is. How cool is that? Okay, wait, hold on a minute. I'm still gonna go change it to the New American Standard. Okay. All right, John eight forty four, which says, "You are of your father, the devil." And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. And he's also known as the Lord of the flies, which, you know, just saying that's kind of gross when you think about it. Romans 1, 18 to 32. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth. Like the gay lobby does. Anyway, in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them up to vile impurity in the lusts of their hearts, so that their bodies would be dishonoring, dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for that which is contrary to nature and like i said before that that is a clear indicator of a of abortion because because uh, it goes against a woman's nature to kill a baby in my opinion and likewise the men too abandoned their natural relations with women and burned in their desire toward one another <sighs> Males with males committing shameful acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. People having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, and unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I'm going to say something. If you think that you're not in that category... Because you don't do any of that, but you approve of um, of somebody that does it, you're in that category. Galatians five, nineteen twenty one. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jude 10. But these people disparage all the things they do not understand and all the things that they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things, they are destroyed. By the way, Jude is the book of the Acts of the Apostates. And I just got done studying that book for like three months uh, with my, my Bible study that I'm teaching. And that book <laughs> has a whole history of homosexual stuff in it that when you go back and you read and you look at all the, you know, 
the sins that they're tied back, it's it it's all it goes back to all that. So meanwhile, why did why did he do that? I don't know why. Meanwhile, it says here to truly understand our day, we have we need heavenly eyes and the divine regenerate biblical perspective. Uh, Matthew six thirty three. For some reason, they didn't link that one. <laughs> Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Okay. You got it right. I just want to make sure. John 3, 3 to 21. Do you know what that says? Do you oh, have that all memorized? Huh? I do, do not. Mr. Smarty Pants? That's like most of the Bible right there. Yeah. Most, most of John chapter 3. <laughs> yeah, the whole discussion with Nicodemus, I don't... Right. I, I could tell you several verses but specifically beginning of verse three would be difficult all right well let's read it so john chapter three beginning in verse three says jesus responded and said to him truly truly i say to you unless someone is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god now this is important because if you understand rabbinic judaism then what do you what, what you what 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 you need to understand is that there were different ways of being born again under the rabbinic law, right? They they knew that. Um, like, for example, um, when they were 13, is that right? They were born again when they had their bar yes. Okay. When they were 30, you know? Okay. So anyway, Nicodemus said to him, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which, which has been born of the Spirit... Wait, hold on. Can he illustrate something? This, this is the Spirit, right? This, okay. is, this is what Kay Arthur does. She puts that on her head. <laughs> Only people in precept will get that. Um. <laughs> anyway, that was... Those of you who got that, I'm glad. Okay, anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> that which has been born of the flesh is flesh. That which has been born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it's coming from. And where it's going, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. <clears throat> and Nicodemus responded and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Seriously? Nicodemus? No, he didn't say that last part. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you people do not accept our testimony. People! Uh, yeah, if I told you earthly things and you don't, you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And just as Moses, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up so that anyone who believes will have eternal life in him. So that's an indic, that's a, Jesus was telling Nicodemus uh, he reminded him of the Old Testament that he knew and and when Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness that was a picture of Christ being lifted up on the cross 
for our redemption so that anyone who believes would have eternal life. And then the context, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light so that his deeds will not be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds will be revealed as having been performed in God. That, that last statement is extremely powerful. Yeah, it is. Um, so, okay. Colossians three, one to four. Do you want to commentate on that though? On what? On on chapter three. There's yeah. a sermon in there. I know. Do you want to give a brief overview of the being born again, though? Well, born again or born from above was considered, you know, God's blessing on life transitions. That all had to do with, um, yeah, chronological things. Uh, when a boy at age 13 is bar mitzvah, is born again, he becomes a son of the commandment. Is that what that means? It's Aramaic, but... Uh, when a man marries, it's a new, he's born again, it's a new responsibility, a new, uh, it's a new stage of life, it was being born again. Uh, when a Gentile converted to Judaism, they were born again. Uh, when a man became king, considered born again. Um, at, um, uh, when a, um, uh, t -t 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 a man became, uh, uh, the head of a rabbinic school who was born again. There were six. Did I get all six yet? I don't know. I can't remember, but there's... Um, there's bar mitzvah, conversion, marriage, king, um, at a rabbinic school, and, yeah, I think just at 30 years old. Is yeah. there... So anyway, they're all chronological I things. I have to look at my notes. <laughs> they're all chronological, logical chronological. thing. Which, you know, why why Nicodemus says, how when can a man be born again when he's when, old? When he's old, that's I've, the I've lost part. all these opportunities. I've, right. And those things that I was, um, that I qualified for, I've done. I've done all those. He was a re teacher of rabbinic school because jesus said are you the teacher harav of of israel and you do not know these things anyway he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh every way that you talk about that you're familiar with being born again is is a of the flesh it's a chronological stage in life or something that happens in life but i'm talking about being born of the spirit you know this is something different yeah it, it is a new it is a new way of life it's a new set of responsibilities it's a new um chapter in life but it's not dependent on any particular age or any external circumstance yeah 
So Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above. Where your life is hidden with Christ. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, I'm sorry. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. I knew the hidden in Christ was somewhere in there. Okay. Um, this is just a, a, a little life rant, pet peeve. So, like, I'm reading the Bible, uh, and Randall's like, trying to read it, like, quote it, like, as I'm reading. And I'm like, would you sh- just shut up so I can... Anyway. Are we supposed to memorize scripture? <laughs> We are, but you're not supposed to talk when I'm talking. Okay, and I'm... That, that's, okay. That, that's the... See, you should say, wait, Stacy, let me... Wait, stop. I want to say the rest. <laughs> see if I remember this. Because <laughs> when you talk over me, then I'm like, seriously? That's right. like so rude, in my yeah, opinion. Okay. The only time two people are supposed to say the same thing and at the same time is when they're say. singing a song. Oh. Okay? That's the rule. That's, <laughs> that's the... All God's people said... Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not completely kidding, but I am slightly con- 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 kidding. Okay. All right. Anyway, this article goes on to say, Lucifer, the son of the morning, the greatest creation of Almighty God, is the progenitor and father of fake news and the slander tactic. We already John, read John 8:44, but Ezekiel 28 verse 12 says, "Son of man, take up a song of mourning over the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the Lord God says, you had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty." This is referring to the fallen angel. And then Ezekiel 28:15 says, "You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness is found in you." So there you go. He is also called the father of lies, Satan, the adversary, the devil, slanderer, the great dragon as consuming dreadful violent monster, and <laughs> that old serpent, cunning and crafty in evil designs, see Revelation 12:9, which which recalls all of those names. Okay, I'll just skip it then. These various names for Lucifer describe his godless character and actions against Almighty God, his creator, and against God's eternal person and righteousness. These various names which were given to Lucifer describe his godless character. Okay, I already just read that. Okay, these descriptions are given for us, sons of Adam, to help us better understand who this tyrant of lawlessness truly is. In eternity past, Lucifer enjoyed a relationship to Almighty God. I truly believe there was a point in his existence where he loved and adored the triune God with all his heart. He had the chief place as protector of the holiness of God in Ezekiel 28:14, and he was the worship leader and choir director of heaven, Ezekiel 28:13. Lucifer enjoyed all the heavenly blessings of his rank and position. As events proceeded, though, there came a time when he became proud, arrogant, envious, and bitter. In his foolish heart, he sought the place of his eternal creator and sovereign for himself, and he led a delusional, 
rebellion against Almighty God in which he and his followers were cast out. And those verses you can look up later because we're almost, well, we are out of time, but whatever. Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, Ezekiel 28, 15 to 18, Jude 1, 6, and Revelation 12, 4. And I will, sh I will post this on the Bible News Radio Facebook page so you can look at it. Lucifer could have remained in his highly honored position indefinitely, enjoying the eternal blessings and fellowship with his creator. In his madness, however, Lucifer chose rather to abandon the confines of absolute reality and perfection for a vain existence in the darkness of make-believe and delusion. In his vain attempt to exalt and preserve himself at all costs, he rejected and abandoned all that was real, becoming a murderer of souls, a tyrant of humanity, a despot to the fallen angelic host, and a mastermind of slander, false truths, and darkness. He designed the slander tactic to deflect any righteous criticism and to distract attention from his lawless activity and diabolical intentions. Lucifer is now known as the Prince of Darkness, Error, Delusion, and Vain Imagination, for this is his reality. Okay, just want to make sure that I already said that. He is the adversary, Satan, against all reality, truth, and eternal absolutes, i.e. all that pertains to Almighty God. He is the slanderer, the devil against all those who stand in his way, especially those who trust and believe in Almighty God in spirit and truth, and so are his children and followers, John 8, 44. He is the original father of fake news. Yeah, he is. Lucifer's minions abound everywhere today in the American mainstream media, Washington, local principalities, Hollywood, etc. They unknowingly do his will. He knows how to maneuver and appeal to our carnal, fleshly fallen nature, which is governed by the five physical senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. The secular liberal media, that's not right. The secular liberal mindset is the most open to Satan's suggestions for a godless trend-setting agenda. They do his will quite readily because they are the most susceptible to this kind of influence. And then there's other passages, 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 10 to 12. As these days are coming to a great climax called the tribulation, a period of lawlessness, and the day of Almighty God's wrath, expect the slanderous activity of godless men and women to intensify at breakneck speeds. Matthew 24 verse, no, Matthew 24, okay. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. There is only one who is completely trustworthy and true, Titus 1, 2 and Hebrews 6, 18. There is only one who is worthy of all praise and honor, Revelation 4, 11 and 5, 9. There is only one who, no matter how much he is blasphemed and slandered, will always be vindicated in the endless, endlessness of forever, of eternity, Isaiah 45, 23, and Romans 14, 11, and Revelation 22, 1 to 5. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? In these last days, make sure and certain, i.e. with no doubt whatsoever, that you truly know the one who in the end will be victorious forevermore. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. To which I would say, Not too long ago, somebody was snarkily referring to me as Bible woman. 
Oh, you're that Bible woman. To which I go, yeah, I am. You should read it. I'm going to tell you something. One of the biggest fools in the world is somebody who purports to know what the Bible says, but never reads it. If you are intellectually honest, you will do what Josh McDowell did and Lee Strobel and C.S. Lewis, among others. And you will take the time to read the word of God and research the history, the origin of it. And look at all the evidence, as Josh McDowell said, that demands a verdict. So that then you can look at what's out there and you can decide based on the evidence that, um, you know, so that you know where you're going, right or left, right? Up or down. One of my favorite stories of a Christian apologist, uh, Simon Greenleaf, who in, in Southern California, there's actually a law school named after Simon Greenleaf called the Simon Greenleaf School of Law. And the story about him is that uh, one day he was basically picking on his students, mocking them, anybody, and basically saying the Bible wasn't really true until some of his students said, oh, yeah, well, I'll just say how they, I don't know how they said it exactly, but they basically said, bring it on. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> but basically, they, 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 they basically said, really? Okay, well, hey, I have an idea. How about you look at the four testimonies of the four evangelists? And you look at what they said based on the evidence in the Gospels, the four testimonies of the four evangelists. And according to the rule of law, how you're, what you're teaching us, look at all that evidence and then you come to a conclusion. And Simon Greenleaf did. And as a result, he became a follower of Christ and a promoter of him. And he wrote a book called The Testimony of the Evangelist. I think it's The Testimony of the Four Evangelists. It's actually a pretty small book. But the point is that one should never be dismissive of the Bible, especially if you've never read it. Um, and, 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 and I know that that might sound like a, a bold statement coming from me. No, maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know, people who are confident and, and can stand up for what they really believe in most of the time, it's because they know, they know the facts. Here's an example. I sell legal shield. Legal shield is a simple service that gives you the ability to have a law firm in the palm of your hand. You can tap the app whenever you need a lawyer. You got a legal question, unlimited 25 bucks a month. You can call your lawyer and talk to him so that you can get the confident answer, a legal answer instead of a Google answer, right? I have heard so many stories, including my own, about how Legal Shield has helped. But in the world of direct sales, there are naysayers out there. They don't like multi-level marketing, which is a direct sales model. So they look at it and they go, oh, you guys are no, but you guys are just scammers. You guys are blah, blah, whatever, you know, and they just pew, 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 just the fiery darts, the arrows, you know, they come at you and, and they shoot down something they don't know. But here's the interesting thing. Often when I talk to people about this, they will throw, oh yeah, I know about LegalZoom. 
I'm like, I ain't legal Zoom. I'm legal Shield. Oh, I thought you were legal Zoom. Like, no, we're not legal Zoom. We're legal Shield. There's a huge difference. Legal Zoom, first of all, legal Zoom just canceled some of their massive plans. So they no longer carry them. But aside from that, legal Zoom is really a website. Legal Shield is your lawyer. You have the lawyers at your, your you can talk to them on the phone. And it's really way more than that. But people think that they know what Legal Shield is without without knowing because they, they think that they know. It's the same thing with the Bible. People think that they know what's in the Bible, but they don't read it. Oh, yeah, I know it's in there. Uh, it hates gay people. <laughs> uh, it's filled with a lot of murder and destruction and a God that hates people, you know. Oh, and there's this Jesus guy, which we don't get, but whatever. <laughs> we won't even look at him. They think, they think they know what's in there, but they don't. Here's the other cool thing. When you find out what's in the Bible, like Martin Luther did, and you look at what's, like, you look there, and you slow down, and you really begin to look at what's being said. Then you can't, You can't be ignorant of what's there. But the reasonable seeker, you know, in Isaiah 1, I think it is, um, the Bible says, come let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they may be as white as snow. Uh, he said that to Isaiah the prophet. If the word of God wasn't reasonable, then... How could we even think, right? I mean, sometimes people say, oh, your faith is just a crutch. I don't need a crutch. Really? Faith? You don't need faith, really? Well, you just believe in fairy tales. Really? A fairy tale that's archaeologically and scientific been proven? Nice. You know. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, that's a fairy tale. Uh, what God did isn't, Jesus is a historical figure. And that's been proven in, in, you know, secular history that he walked on the earth, that he rose from the dead. Um, even the history of the Bible shows that. Just the testimony of the women alone in Ju Juda Judaism. If, if the Gospels accounts weren't true of the resurrection, then, then it wouldn't be recorded as valid. Because a woman's testimony in court of law was not valid in that culture. Why would the Jews put themselves at risk for being attacked as apostates if they allowed the testimony of a woman to be the first eyewitness? It's, it's, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I, one of my favorite like, objections to Christianity is when I hear people say, well, all Jesus does is oppress women. You know, he says that the the husband should be the wife of the head and, and that the husband can boss the woman around and keep her in the kitchen pregnant with bare feet, you know, <laughs> and, and to which I, to which I laugh because I'm like, first of all, you can't show me that anywhere. 
second of all, it's a misunderstanding of the passage of submission. And third of all, the Bible says the husband should submit also to the wife. So there's like, you know, and you got to read it. Jesus elevated women, which is what annoyed some of the men. You, you know what religion actually doesn't elevate women? It's Islam, Mormonism, uh, many of the cults. You know, they they are the ones that put women in bondage. If you if you think Islam is a peaceful religion that gives women freedom, you're crazy. Because, you know, just the very clothing the woman has to wear so she doesn't stumble her man who could legally rape her in marriage. Um, I mean, that's like ridiculous. That's, that's that. But do you, do you see people attacking Islam? No, because they, if they dare did, they could get killed. Even those who profess to be Islamic, if they're, if they're not, um, you know, full on in. According to the Quran, they, they should kill them as um infidels so you know but nowhere in the gospels or in the bible does jesus ever say to another believer you know what if the other believer isn't perfect you should go kill him in my name <laughs> not even close in fact he says exactly the opposite he says you should love your enemies like i have loved you just so you know what, what you know and what, what was it Romans 5 8 or something like that that says why why we were yet what was it say Randall why we were Christ died for us while we were yet enemies what are you talking about there you are are you ignoring me yeah no, you I'm are not. it's okay <laughs> no yeah. Romans ch chapter 5 yeah yeah, for scarcely for righteous yeah. man one die. Yep, for yeah, a one. good man would one would even dare to die. Yeah, yet God demonstrates His love toward us, and that while we, we were yet sinners, sinners Christ, Christ died, died for us. us. Yeah. I knew it. It was in there. It was in the old noggin there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but anyway, the point is, is that do you know the Lord? I do. Do you Christian? Do you know you who say you're a Christian? Do you know the Lord? Serious question. I want you to examine your heart. Think about it. If you're somebody that says you're a Christian, let me ask you this. How well do you know his word? How often do you read his word? You know, it's one thing to say you pray. It's another thing to open up the Bible and take time to spend reading it. I'm not even talking studying it. I'm just saying to read it. Take 10 minutes a day to read it. Can't do 10, do five. Can't do five, do one. Something. You know, I would, I personally would encourage one chapter a day, not one verse a day, because the verse taken out of context, you can make say anything. But if you're a follower of Christ, the only way you're going to get to know him is if you read his last will and testament to you, which is the Bible. There's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. You can read them both. They go both, they, they fit like a glove, a hand in a glove, they fit perfect. The Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament, and the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. It's it's an amazing book that was written over, what, like 1,500 years on three different continents in various language. It's crazy. By what? 39 different authors, right? Something like that. That is insane. 
and highly unlikely if it wasn't God breathed and ordained by God to put that book in your hand. The Bible is like reading the newspaper in the morning. In fact, the other day I was reading uh, in Proverbs 29. I'm sitting there and I'm reading this in the morning and I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> it says here, I, 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 and I'm going by memory, but it says, it said something to the effect of, um, you know, if the, if the people burn down a city, then, you know, the righteous flee or something like that. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that recently happened. The city got burned down by, by mean people, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just funny that Solomon, the wisest guy that ever lived, um, you know, uh, when asked by God to, and this is kind of a cool story. God said to Solomon, Hey, I'm going to give you anything you want. Anything. I don't care. You just say it. I'll give it to you because I love you so much. I don't know if he said that part, but Solomon said, yeah, okay, I want wisdom. And because he said that the Lord blessed him with riches and, and, um, pretty much gave him anything that he wanted. But for a guy that was so smart, he did a lot of dumb things near the end of his life. I don't think it ended too well, no. but but he wrote a book that we can still learn from just because he ended up kind of doing some stupid stuff. Um, what he wrote is still valid, you know. Um, but anyway, so as a Christian, do you know his word? Do you Are you in the word of God every day? Do you read it? Do you struggle with it? Let me ask you that. Do you struggle with being in God's word? If you're somebody that struggles, let me know. I want to know. Tell me. Get on my text message list. Text me. Text me at Bible News. Text Bible News, rather, to 33222. Get on my text message list. Go into my Facebook group, the Daily Disciples Facebook group. I want you to join that group. Because every day we're reading in, from the Bible in there. You know? And it will change your life. You might not think so. But it will. I'll tell you what. When I was 14 years old and I became a Christian and God gave me a Bible through because it was smuggled to me in the library. Because <laughs> my mom wouldn't let me have one. Um, my friend Gail smuggled me a Bible in the, in the library and the, and I still can see it to this day. I was sitting there in the little cubby thing in the library. Gail came over with her backpack. She pulled out the green living Bible, gave it to me, said, my grandma said you could use this until you can get your own. And she opened up to Romans 12, two, one and two. I read that. I went home and I started reading the Bible as a 14 year old or 13, 14 year old. And I couldn't stop reading it. It made sense. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I devoured that book. It drove my mom crazy because she was like, I don't know what you're reading, but I think you're, you've lost your mind. And I'm like, this book is awesome. I got up early in the morning at five o'clock in the morning because my mom's like, if, if I catch you reading that Bible, I'm going to rah, 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 rah. And I'm like, you know, okay. So I literally would get up at five o'clock in the morning, because my mom was a late, my mom was a late night person, and I would truly, this is a true story, I would get my Bible, I got a flashlight, I would take my blanket on my bed, and I would read it in the dark for an hour every single day before I went to school, and I would take one or two verses a day, I would memorize it, I write it on paper, and I put it in my pocket, I'd go to my locker at school, and I'd hand out like little strips of gospel, you know, scripture to my friends. I'd say, hey, you guys, today, let's read this, and, um, and, you know, and then I went to the fish club, uh, you know, which was ran by a Campus Crusade for Christ, which was founded by Bill Bright, 
many, many decades ago. And I would listen to the Bible teaching of the, the men that volunteered there at the school. And it changed my life. Reading God's word changed my life. You know, has it always been easy? No. Heck no. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. My life has not been easy. But have I always had a hope? And have I always known God loves me? Yeah, because I, because I read his word. Um, even in my darkest day when I was really mad at God and ripped up his Bible, I just felt so bad. <laughs> I just like, felt horrible. Uh, and that's probably something I'll always, you know, I know God's forgiven me, but I'll always feel really bad for that because it was like, man, you know, I thought, I thought as a child that I could just beat God up by ripping up his word. Maybe that's what some of you feel. Maybe some of you feel like you're mad at God for stuff that the devil did, but you're blaming God. Or maybe you're mad at God. You're like, no, I don't want to hear from you. So you don't bother opening his word. Here's the truth, though. When you open the word, you're going to see your, you're going to see who you are. And sometimes that isn't comfortable. Sometimes that brings feelings that you don't like. Maybe shame, which is, you know, God-given feeling for you to know that you did something wrong. But here's the thing. God loves you. And it doesn't matter that you did stuff wrong because Jesus already knows that. That's why he died on the cross for your sin. You know, he didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. Right? I mean, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he did it. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he did it for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame. You know, we were the joy, and I believe eternity to come is that joy, because there's going to be a, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a wedding supper up there, and we're all going to be sitting at this big table, having a good old party, and Jesus is going to be so happy, because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. Right? So someday that day will happen. And I want you to be there. I want you to be one of those guests. I want you to be sitting at that table with me. You know? Um, where we're, we're not only going to be eating great food, but we're going to be in the very presence of Yeshua Hamashiba. We are going to be there with the one who loved us enough to die for us, to die and to forgive us of our sin. You know, so many people walk around like burdened and, and anger and anxiety and, and stress and, you know, guilt because they don't know how to deal with it. They do drugs. They numb, they numb themselves up. They don't know how to deal with it, but they don't know that Jesus will lift that from you. He'll clean you off like that. Boom. It'll be gone in an instant. That guilt will be taken away. And that's what being a Christian, you know, one of the fruits of being a Christian is that you don't walk around in guilt. Yeah, you know, if we sin, we screw up and we ask God to forgive us. Sure, we have that tinge. We, we might feel it. But the more you know his word, the more you can go, oh my gosh, you know, that amazing grace song. That's what that's about. Unmerited favor. God's amazing grace that he loves you even though you did that thing. <laughs> You know that thing. You did that. You did that thing, didn't you? 
Yeah, you did. You did it. And you know you did. He saw you do it. But he still loves you. And he loved you before you were ever made. He knew you before you were even made. In fact, God knew you before anybody else did. Think about that. And that's where I will end this. Think, think about that. God knew you because he made you. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he fearfully, he wonderfully made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He took nine months, give or take, to put you together. Yeah, he did. And imagine what he was thinking when he made you. He must have like went, oh, you know, I made that little stitch there. I gave that little fingerprint just to that person. I can just imagine God sitting back going, I want to rest for a second. Admire this. And then just continue to make it, you know, continue to make you. And then when you were done, and God said you were done, your mom's body pushed you out. Or maybe you got cut out. But either way, you were born. And then you were entered into this world for a purpose that only you and the whole world could fulfill. Every life matters to the Lord because he created every life. Don't you ever believe the lie that you were not loved or created for a reason because you were. And God loves you. Jesus loves you. Yeah, he does. And I will go to my, my last breath proclaiming that to anybody who will listen. Because you know what? I was once lost, but now I'm bound. I was blind, but now I see. I was despised by my own mother. But the Bible, you know what I read in there? It says your, mo- your mother or your father may forsake you, but the Lord will lift you up. I wrote that down when I was a kid. And then I wrote down, the Lord says, he'll never leave you or forsake you. My mom and my dad both did, but God never has. You can count on God. Yeah, you can. And so I'm going to pray for you, whoever you are, and ask that you would consider him. Lord, I thank you for your word, and you know who's watching, who might watch, who might not watch, whatever. God, you're sovereign. You know all things. I just pray, Father, if there's anybody out there that doesn't know you and they're hearing this, that they would want to know you more, that they would come to know you. Father, that they would get curious enough to open the Bible up and read it, that they would know that you made them for a purpose, and that is to love and serve and worship you. And Lord, I just commit that to you tonight on Reformation Day. While the world celebrates the devil, Father, we celebrate you coming to set the captives free. And I pray in Jesus' name that someone tonight will be set free. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you get in touch with me and Randall if you want to talk more. If you need prayer or anything, 
we can help you in any way. If you need a Bible, I'm happy to give you a Bible. Um, just, just let us know. Let us know. Okay. Tomorrow night, Pam Gillespie. Hey, we forgot that, didn't we? Can you put that up, Bareface? I forgot. Sure, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So tomorrow night, I am very excited to have um, uh, Pam Gillespie coming on the show. Um, you may or may not know her. Here's her picture right here. Um, she is um, an author and a Bible teacher. Um, anyway, and, and so much more than that. She's one of the coolest people I know. Um, and she's written a, a new Bible study on judges. And the URL is bit.ly, B-I-T L-Y forward slash NOV judges, N-O-V judges, all in caps. If you are interested in doing a Bible study in the book of Judges, <laughs> why not jump in with me? You'll learn a lot. Yeah, you will. Um, you can go to that link and you can sign up. It's a free study, but you got to buy the book. The book costs money. Um, but, but Pam will do everything online. You don't even have to leave your house. You can do it. So she's going to come on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk about some of her other Bible studies, um, that she's written, um, uh, from her sweeter than chocolate series. Um, she has one on no worries, which I totally love that one. And it's just so much. So anyway, you're going to, you're, we're, we're going to talk to her. So make time to join us tomorrow and, um, and, and learn from somebody who gets it. Yeah, that's good. That'd be awesome. I can't wait. So so tomorrow night, also don't forget, if you want to donate to our show in any way, you can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Go over there and whatever God leads you to give if you want, go for it. Um, and that's it. So be bold, people. Stand up and go forth with God because he loves you. Yeah, he does.